Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. You are probably invited to many different things. People, organizations, and even junk mail are often inviting us to various gatherings, products, places of business, etc. After they invite us, they wait for our response. The same is true with God. He invites us to be a part of His family and His kingdom, and then waits for our response. That's right, God Himself takes the initiative and we respond to Him. Your response is the single most critical earthly decision you will make regarding eternity. Here's Pastor Jim in part one of his message, an invitation to the eternal family gathering. During the Christmas season, it's common for some of us to get numerous invitations. Sometimes you're like, I don't know what to do with all of these invitations. How do I say no gracefully if I don't want to go to something like those office parties and all other kinds of things? Not this year, though. Not this year. That's one thing we got off doing this year is turning down all of those invitations of things we don't want to go to. Uh, For the benefit of those of you who are listening uh, via an app in the future on our website, the radio, etc. It is now December of the COVID year. So if you're like, what is he talking about? I'm listening to this five years later. It's December of COVID year. So many of our holiday plans and so many of the events we're used to have been canceled. Life has been completely interrupted. It has been completely disrupted. And while at times not just this year, but other times in our life, it seems like life is put on hold. The kingdom of God is never put on hold. It is always moving forward. And if you don't believe me, well, when you get to heaven, ask Abraham, uh, who waited 13 years between chapter 16 and chapter 17, as we saw last week. But then God showed up. And just a quick review of last week, he said in chapter 17, verse 4, As for me, keep bank that word, God's saying, as for myself, behold, my covenant is with you and shall be a father, and you shall be a father of many nations. And then jump down to verse seven, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant. So he's making these promises to Abraham. And then he says, to be God to you, which we said last week is the greatest promise ever. No greater promise than that. God says, I will be God to you and your descendants after you. So Abraham has been waiting for the promise of God for a son. Yet during that time, God's invitation to him, his continued invitations to know him and grow in him have not stopped. And that's the same both then and now. God's invitations, God's kingdom is never put on hold, even though things in our lives may be going on that seems to be putting our life on hold. And so the title of our message today is an invitation to the eternal family gathering. So you might have your Christmas plans changed this year, but still there is an invitation to you and to me to the eternal family gathering. Well, let's pick it up where we left off at Genesis chapter 17, verse 9. And and, and God said to Abraham, 
as for you, now he's still talking to Abraham in the singular. Now remember his verse four, he said, as for me. God says, this is my part, as for me, verse four. But now verse nine is, this is your part. But as for you, you shall, some versions say, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. Now, this is something we find ourselves coming back to over and over and over again in the Bible. And we must remember this, that it is God that takes the initiative with us. God takes the initiative in the covenant with Abraham. Some people say, oh, no, no, I just went to church on my own. Somehow, God took the initiative with you to get you there. And so uh, we see here, God says to Abraham, as for you. Verse four, he says, as for me. Now here, he says, verse nine, as for you. What, what, is, what does that mean? We see that God takes the initiative but a response is required on our part. Let's put that in in different language. God takes the initiative in his invitation to people, to you. If you're not a Christian, and we're glad you're here with us today, he's taking the initiative in the invitation to you, to the kingdom of God, and the promises that come with us, with it. But then... Having heard the invitation, you get an invitation to a party, what do you have to do? You have to RSVP, and then you actually have to go. And so, in the same way, we have to choose how we will respond to God's invitation. Let's go all the way back up to verse 1. God said, I am almighty God. Would you agree that's God's part? That's God's part. And then he says, our part. Walk before me and be blameless. Because he is almighty God, El Shaddai, we saw last week, our provider, there is a response that God provides on, expects from us. He says, walk before me and be blameless. Obviously, we can't do that perfectly, but because of the blood of Jesus, we are considered righteous when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So let me ask you a question, quick quiz, easy question. This is an easy one, too easy. Is our response as important as God's initiative? No, it's really not. It's really not. Because some of you would say like me, I was kind of dragged into the kingdom. My response was like, no, 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 but he dragged me in. So I would say it's not as important as his initiative, but that does not mean that our response is not important. So there's always God's part and there's our part and God's part is usually way more important than our part, but, but that doesn't mean that our part is not important. But 2,000 years later, we sing about it, we just sang about it, we celebrated it at Christmas, God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 1 records the first words, Mark records his first words of, that, of Jesus speaking, and it says this, Mark 1, 14 and 15. Now after John was put in prison, that's John the Baptist, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel, that is the good news of the kingdom of God. He's preaching the good news of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here now. The kingdom of God was in heaven, but now the kingdom of God is where? 
It's actually here, standing in front of you. Jesus saying it's standing in front of you in the person of Jesus Christ. That's God's initiative, agreed? God's initiative. But then there's a response required, and Jesus calls for it. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the good news of the kingdom. He said He's preaching the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. What is the good news of the kingdom of God? Now, some of you would say, we know this. It's always good to review it. Others of you may be news to you. Does it mean be religious? That's not what it means. It simply means this, that God made us. God God made the universe. I I know a lot of people think it came out of nothing. Nobody's ever provided for me a, a good answer how that happened. But God made the universe and God made you. He put men and women on earth, and he said, hey, I got a few things I want you just to do, and we'll be good. Our relationship will be cool. And what did we do? Yeah, not so good. Not so good. We were like, yeah, later for you, right? You know, devil comes along. That's not really what God meant, is it? Come on, he wants you to be happy. Do what you want, right? That's how you're happy. Is that how you're happy, doing what you want? Yeah, maybe for about five minutes. <laughs> and then you got to deal with the consequences after that. So, so God put us here told us how to live. We sort of thumbed our noses at him. And so that created a separation. That's not a good relationship. If one person does what they want and the other person is kind of sitting there going like, you do what you want. That's not a good relationship. So what did God do? A lot of people think, oh, he's just going to forgive everybody, which I always say, well, then why did he send Jesus to die on the cross? So what did he do? God in his great love and desire for a relationship with people sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life in our place. So when you put your trust in Jesus, you get credited with Jesus' righteousness, his perfect life. In other words, the relationship is brought back together. And he died on the cross in our place for our sins. And so our sins against God were placed on Jesus, so we are forgiven. So Jesus says, All you need to do is repent. What do you do? You turn. Repent means to turn. You turn to God and say, listen, I'm guilty. I did it. And you believe or you trust in the good news. What? That God sent Jesus to live that perfect life in your place, to die on the cross for your sins in your place, and that by trusting in him, God will count it as for you as if you had lived Jesus' life and on the cross as if Jesus had lived your life and your relationship will be made perfect again. God takes the initiative. He sends Jesus. But we need to respond by turning to God and putting our trust in Jesus. So what is all this? Well, basically, it's, it's a call to commitment. God says, I will commit myself to you, but I do expect you to commit yourself to me. And both the Old Testament and the New Testament, we saw this back in chapter 15, they, they, they agree on this point. God saves us. Well, what does it mean? Remember we said when, when God saves us, he takes away our sin, puts him on Jesus on the cross and declares us righteous, gives us the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Theologians call that justification. That's what God does for us. And then he, he gives us a new heart, a, a soft heart towards God. Jesus called it being born again. Theologians call it regeneration, and the Holy Spirit of God comes to live with inside of us. 
So here's the question. How do you know you have a new heart? How do you know that you've been regenerated? How in the world could you possibly know? It's actually fairly easy. You know by your response to God. That's how you know. Are you perfect? No. Do you continue to sin? Yes. Are you sinless? No. Do you sin less? Yes. And when you do sin, you're much more prone to say to the Lord, I'm sorry, I know that's not why Jesus died for me. And so you can understand these things. Jesus told it to us in a very powerful parable of the sower, which is probably better known as the parable of the soils, which we've taught here before. And he, and he identified four types of soil. He said a sower goes out to seed. He throws the word of God out to people. And there's four reactions that we can expect. One is the person who it falls to the wayside. You know who you are if that's you. Your family, they put the hook in your nose and they dragged you here this morning. And you're like, Ugh, maybe I'll get them off my back today, man. And the word of God goes out and you could care less. You could care less. Be careful. You might end up being dragged into the kingdom. Because <laughs> okay? that was me for a lot of my life. I could care less. And then the second type of, of soil was, so that's the wayside. The second, the, the devil comes along, the birds of the air come along and just take it away. The second is the seed that fell on stony ground. Those are those that when trouble came or a little bit of persecution came, they gave up. They gave up. You know those little uh, weeds that grow up on the side of your driveway that are in about this much of dirt, you know, a little quarter inch of dirt? And then the sun kind of wilts them away or a little bit of rain gets them or a puddle or something like that. That's what that is. Let me tell you something. And I say this in all seriousness. I really hope for you and everyone watching right now that when it comes to uh, that soil that fell on stony ground, I really hope that COVID is not that for you. I'm not talking about the illness I'm not talking about the sadness that people have gone through. God wants you to bring that sadness to him. I'm talking about just the whole situation that it has put you in, the trouble, the difficulty that COVID has put you in. I'm hoping that's not going to make you a stony brown Christian. I'm hoping right now that you're already thinking about New Year's resolutions of of more Bible reading, of, of joining a community group, of, of better church attendance, whether it's in person or online, about serving God, about all the different things that God would have for you to do to keep your part of being serious about this. God's made the initiative. God's done what we need to do. We need to do our part. It's like anything else. You, you, somebody could hand you a, a registration for, let's say, the New York City Marathon. And they say, here, it's, I'm taking the initiative. I'm handing it to you. That, that would be God would do that to you. But you still need to train, don't you? And so we need to train ourselves unto godliness, the scripture says. And I hope that you will do that. The third kind of seed is the seed that fell among thorns. Jesus said, these are the people that the cares of this world, oh, they're always so busy. They always got so much going on. Or the deceitfulness of riches. They just need a little bit more. Instead of, instead of realizing that you, if you just cut back, you'll have a lot more money than if you just keep making more. They, 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 they just 
you know, the thorns come up, the, the seed looks good, the ground looked good, but when the seed came up and grew, the thorns came up too and just choked it out. Choked out their spiritual life. Now, let's put our health issues to the side. But let's just talk about many able-bodied people as now we're getting some sense of a vision of, of it's going to be a while still, but some sense of a vision where it is not as hopeless as it was, let's say, with, with this pandemic as it was, let's say, in the spring. But what's going to happen to a lot of people when things start to bounce back? A lot of people are going to be too busy, aren't they? They're going to say, well, I didn't do this and I didn't do that during that time. So now I got to do this and now I got to do that. Or I got to have some fun or I got to go here or I got to go there. So a lot of people are going to do that. They'll be too busy to return to the worship of God. You see, the reason is there's always something. And these responses, these three responses tell us where we are with God. Mark 4.20 says this, Jesus says, but these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word of God. They hear God. They actually hear God, take the initiative. They hear the invitation. And what do they do? He says, they accept it. So, so God takes the initiative. He sows, Jesus is the sower. He puts out the word of God to people. That's what we do here. He's putting it out to all of us. Me too. It's not like I'm not listening to him speaking. When the Bible speaks, God speaks. And he throws out the invitation. They accept it. They respond to it. And there is a result of their responding to it. He gives it to us. They bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Now let's go back 2,000 years earlier to Abraham. This is my covenant, which you shall keep. He's now beginning to speak in the plural, God. He says, between me and you and your descendants after you, every male child among you shall be circumcised. Now, if you are a young person here today and you don't know what that means, you ask your parents on the ride home. (laughs) I am always so happy to bring families together. (laughs) with intense and uncomfortable conversations. <laughs> and uh, one of the things we do here at the, the church, if you don't have kids, you don't know this, when a kid gets promoted from one age group to another, we give the parents books about sensitive subjects to talk about with their kids. And they're like, you want me to have this conversation with a seven-year-old? I go, if you haven't yet, yes. Yeah. And so if you don't know what that is, you ask your parents on the way home. Let, let's, let's get it to the rest of us, though. Remember, Abraham is 99. He's 99 now. And you got to think, God says to him, hey, here's the covenant, man, circumcision. Now, I don't know about you. I would be like, excuse me, Lord, just a little question before we jump into this circumcision whole thing here. Couldn't it be more like Noah where he got a rainbow? I mean, that sounded so much more pleasurable than this. That would be nice. Verse 11, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin. To be circumcised is to cut away the flesh, symbolic of sin often in the Bible, and it shall be a sign or a mark of the covenant between me and you. So obviously, this is not what we would call Sunday religion. This is not some cheesy 
sacrifice that you think that people make when they, they go to church for an hour or two every week and then you go your own way. This is personal and painful faith. That's what this is. Now, true, you could say, listen, circumcision could be completely superficial by itself. But if you combine it with what we saw in verse 1, walk before me and be blameless, this is what it means and this is what it looks like to be a committed follower of Yahweh. This is what it means to be, in, to put it in New Testament terms, to be a committed follower of Jesus Christ. This is God, and this is very personal, I understand, but this is God desiring to enter every area of your life, not just the areas you want to let him in on. But more than anything else, if we do some sort of a sacrament or thing like that or ritual, there's always supposed to be an element of faith to it. It's not like you do it apart from faith. God's not like, well, just do this. And, and, and that, that will be cool. No, there's an element of faith to it. They sacrifice animals in the Old Testament. So they would put their hand on the animal and that would be symbolic of their sin being transferred to the animal. The animal would die in their place. Symbolic of Jesus dying in your place, in my place, on the cross. But there's an element of faith to it. It's not like just, you know, just, you know, just hit the animal and kill the thing and that's good. God will be happy with that. No, there's an element of faith to it. But also, what is this for a man in this time? This is the brand of God. This is God like, you know, do you know how the way they do it with cattle and stuff like that? And if you ever seen that happen, and they, tell you, they put it in a hot thing and they brand that, that animal. So, it, so you know which, which cattle rancher that brand belongs to. This is the brand of God saying that, that you having faith in him eternally belong to him. And that's what a new heart is to you and me. We don't do this stuff anymore. We'll talk about that in a minute because things are going to be like, thank God. All right? but, but that's what a new heart is. That is the brand of God upon you. For them, circumcision was a visual reminder. Now, let's just stop here. Ladies, don't worry. I'm going to spare you. If this was a men's retreat or this was a men's conference, which I've spoken a lot of those things, I would get up on the soapbox and we would be camped here for a while, okay? So men, you use your imagination. Ladies, you just enjoy the fact that, that they're gonna suffer, okay? So it was a visual reminder, a permanent sign, again, like a new heart, that God's covenant is eternal and there is no going back. Now, if you are a new follower of Jesus or you're one who just finds that you just, these old sins just keep rearing their ugly head over and over again, I can tell you that one of the most helpful things I have found in my life is to constantly remind myself, I am not going back. That's why I love, I love reading through the book of Exodus and hearing the people complaining and having God say to me, Jim, do you complain about a lot of stuff? And me with tears in my eyes going through half a box of tissue going, I am sorry, Lord, because I am not going back to Egypt. I'm not. I would rather die than go back to what I used to be, seriously. 
I do not want to go back to that. You know why? Because I would be walking dead. I would be walking dead. Verse 12, he who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised every male child in your generations. He who is born in your house or notice this, bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant. What does it mean? Those are Gentiles. Those are not Abraham's people. Those are outsiders. Verse 13, he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money must be circumcised and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. I mean, this is a big undertaking. I mean, just this is a, I mean, (laughs) they're doing it with these flint knives, basically a sharp rock. Now we saw back in chapter 14, Abraham had 318 fighting men when he went to go free Lot, the rescue Lot. Now he's got to be well over 400 guys, maybe 500. And plus he's got all the boys now. He says, every male who's born in your house, eight days old and and older. But you know what I love about this? I love that everyone is invited into the covenant. Thanks for listening to Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to bring you hope, encouragement, and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please pray with us that Changed by Love will make a profound difference in many lives. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Teaming together in prayer is the key to a spiritually rich life. It really does take a team of praying individuals to reach thousands. Thank you for being a part of the Change by Love support team. To find out more ways to team with Change by Love, go to our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you could call 862-217-9686. Thank you for spending time with Pastor Jim Kevney and Changed by Love.